to neither the time nor... <laughs> oh, my brain is gone. You can leave this in, Matt. Hello and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David. And, as always, I am joined by the uh, official R- Romanian citizen uh, now, uh, I believe. I believe you've already revoked your British citizenship. That's right, isn't um, it, Matt? I'm, I'm currently here illegally. Uh, don't have my work permit. Don't have my residency. <laughs> and my travel visa's expired. I'm... Yeah, I'm go- I was going to say, by the time this episode goes out, I'm sure it'll be sorted. Yeah. Uh, because I don't have residency, they won't give me a bank account, so my job won't pay me. Oh, Glad it's going the, honestly, well. Honestly... <laughs> <laughs> all, all jokes aside, I'm having the time of my life. This is the best decision I think I might have ever made. Oh, I'm so pleased to hear it, Matt. I am so looking forward to uh, hearing all the details uh, very shortly. Uh, because, you know, to, to be clear, we've I've I've only got little snatches from you since since you flew out. Like I I, I we've been kind of saving all the juicy details mm-hmm. for the pod. So um, very much looking forward to hearing all of it. Uh, before we get into that, shall we shall we address the, the um the big space elephant? Yeah, in the room? I mean, speaking of this making episode. decisions, we've made a decision, haven't we, David? Mm. We we have. I mean, well, we say we've made a decision. I kind of sprung it onto you uh, fairly out of the blue, I think, uh, the other day. But but you know, you very graciously, and I think uh, possibly it was in the round, probably the right decision for you yeah. as well, Matt. Uh, but I'll I'll let you speak about that. But with everything going on in my life at the moment, um, I've. I I I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I've been I've been dealing with some pretty severe anxiety. Um, obviously, massive relief to finally be uh, moved into the new place, and slowly but surely we're getting all that sorted out. Uh, my son starts school in September. Work is insane, um, and uh, us us autistic types we don't do brilliantly with change the best of times um so yeah my 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 anxiety has been so bad that i'm basically just shuffling around constantly apologizing to my long-suffering partner for basically just existing um and just kind of looking for things to be anxious about like my brain is just in some cases having to work overtime to fabricate things to be anxious about it's uh, that determined to make me feel uh, perpetually sort of jittery. Um, So that all being said, what I need to do for the time being is have a few fewer plates spinning. And unfortunately for the podcast, it's one of the least essential plates that I've got on the go at the moment, as much as I do enjoy doing it. Um, And I I want to keep enjoying doing it, you know. Um, So I kind of said to you the other day, look, Matt, I think we maybe need to take a bit of a Mm -hmm. hiatus. 
and uh, yeah, you very you very graciously said, yeah, fine, whatever we need to do. Um, so I didn't know if you you wanted to sort of add, add any. No, I think you know, uh, selfishly for me, you know, I I've got a big change myself. I don't know what my routine's going to be. Yeah, you know. It, well, whilst we're yeah. recording, it's nine o'clock with you, but it's actually eleven o'clock at night here. Um, yeah, it's a late one for you let, tonight. Let's be honest; we've um, done five years. We've done over two hundred some episodes, you know. Yeah, it, it it's and and to be clear, listeners, it is a hiatus. It's um, it, it, it we're not we're not pulling the plug. Um, what we've talked about is probably taking the rest of this year off and kind of reassessing the situation in the new year i'm not promising that you know day one 2024 will be back in your feed on the on the regular um but certainly don't expect much from us this this side of no. christmas I and say. i mean i I obviously um, don't know what the plan is, but I assume, I mean, probably more so myself than you, I still plan to be involved in things like the after show with those other podcasts. And, you know, we're not going anywhere. I mean, we are, but, you know. Yeah. I mean, well, in the short term, I'm probably going full hermit. Yeah, <laughs> but... <laughs> I posted some depressing IQ <laughs> lyrics on my Twitter account today, and that was the first thing I've posted on it for months. Yeah. But, you know, it, I think but, it's important, you know, yeah. it, yes, it was initiated by you, this decision, however, it is a mutual one, we haven't fallen out, there's no ill will, if yeah, anything, like I put in the message, we, I, I genuinely feel we're, we're probably closer than we've ever been as friends over the last month, you know, we've You've certainly yeah, been a real yeah, rock for me. Yeah, I mean, me. we've certainly the the way in which these massive sort of life changes have have weirdly synced yeah, up for us is, yeah. uh, you know, notable. I think. Um, you know, like it, it, so, it's serendipity anyway, yeah. because you know the the ongoing saga of your difficult house move. You could have moved at any time in the last six months, <sighs> and if you'd have moved in January. <laughs> yeah. The idea of moving to Romania hadn't yeah. even entered my mind. Like, I, I genuinely don't yeah. even think it's been three months since I made that decision. Yeah, and you're already I'm already there. at work. Um, so, yeah, it's um, it's awesome. Um, but yeah, so we we kind of just wanted to be really upfront about this because we know some we didn't want to like just pretend like everything is normal and then do a whole episode and then just bring it on. What, you mean like last time we recorded Uh, where we did our Beneath Summerfield special and I even titled the episode Beneath Summerfield and it was just something totally different. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, yeah, but from this point on, for the rest of this episode, hopefully it kind of will be sort of business like usual. Uh, We're going to be wrapping up our showrunner showdown uh specials that we've been doing which uh i i don't know about you matt i really enjoyed doing the yeah, first one of those yeah it, it was nice to talk um, about i can't believe i'm saying this so I'm it's look- nice to talk about doctor who isn't it oh 
isn't it just and you know what i was saying to my partner as well with with us going on hiatus i am feeling so relieved that i don't have to formulate some kind of immediate hot take on the 60th stuff and um you know the christmas special and i'm actually really really looking forward to being able to like watch those episodes percolate on them a little bit and then come back in the new year hopefully and uh, th those will be i think top priority when we yeah. come back yeah we'll be covering those yeah. um and uh we we will get to them but it it's it won't be it won't be immediate and yeah i'm i'm quite enjoying just being kind of taking letting myself off the hook and being able to just kind of sit down and watch them just not even necessarily as a capital f fan but just as someone who likes to watch doctor who um that will be nice so t tell me about um, this new house. But anyway we're, we're not doing meal of the week we're not doing lats beside the point we're not doing this in the tweets tell me about this new house we've got so much to talk about Oh, right. Okay. New house. Uh, what can I tell you about it? So we're in a much more urban area than we have. Like my old house, you, you've been there. It, it was middle mm -hmm. of nowhere. It was ridiculous. When we moved, there was a shop. And then two years in, the shop closed. <laughs> and then I literally couldn't like walk to a shop anymore. Um, it's crazy. Where I am now, I've got uh, a corner shop. Uh, a minute's walk for me. I've got a local Sainsbury's 10 minutes walk for me. Uh, the station also 10 minutes walk from me. Um, we've got a beautiful park. Um, I don't know whether to, but I'll throw out this factoid, but it does mean if somebody Googles it, they will be able to know exactly uh, which town we've moved to. Uh, it's apparently the uh, oldest park in the northeast of England. Um and it's it's yeah we're in a beautiful town that is just bursting with history and uh places of interest and i'm really really excited that uh my little boy is going to get to grow up somewhere interesting and diverse and uh full of opportunity rather than just being surrounded by fields <laughs> so yeah that was one of the main motivations for it. obviously we also just you know wanted to get out of renting you know it's it's been long enough i think mm -hmm. at this point you know now i'm i'm sliding towards uh not just my you know i'm currently in my mid to late 30s next year i think we could probably drop the mid so um yeah really good to kind of live past that in terms of the house itself it, um, we're kind of amazed at how much of it actually just worked mm. because when we came to view it, it, it kind of, it felt a little dilapidated purely because the decor is, um, a little behind the time, shall we say, um, Basically, it was owned by an old lady. It hadn't been uh, redecorated since, I would say, generously, maybe the mid-1970s. Um, so it had a certain mustiness and uh, old-fashionedness to it. Uh, the bathroom is uh, 
man, that's a sight. Wow. <laughs> um, but actually, with the exception of one tap in the bathroom uh, not working, everything's just been fine. Like the boiler's been fine, the electrics have been fine, the gas has been fine. Everything's just kind of worked. Um, so that has been, you know, relatively pain-free and uh, a source of considerable relief. Um, so yeah, we're most we're, we're kind of we're basically fully moved in. We've got a little bit more to do in terms of tidying up the old gaff and getting that ready to hand the keys back. But uh, yeah, we're in. It's uh, it's just nice to finally be here because honestly, it was getting to the point where we didn't know if we were actually going to be able to move in before my son started school, mm-hmm. and the school he starts is just it starts out is just down the road from where we are. One of the reasons we got <coughs> this particular house and this particular place was so that um, it would have sort of like decent public transport connections and amenities for me as someone who doesn't drive and also be really close to the school we wanted to send our son to um but it was getting to the point yeah that it we just didn't know if it would like september would roll around and we'd still be stuck in the old house so yeah it, it, the, the predominant emotion right now is just utter relief <laughs> We've got into it uh, on time. Uh, but yeah, now, Matt, that's that's all kind of like fairly mundane, let's be honest, compared to what you've been up to. So right. tell me the whole Let saga. Me, I'll start day one. So day one, I landed at Bucharest Otopelli Airport. Um, my bags arrived on Tuesday. That was slightly annoying. So yep, my flight right. Newcastle to Heathrow was delayed, so I had a really quick turnaround in London, and it was too quick for my bags. So trying to explain that to the Great. Romanian bus driver that's been delivered to pick you up was uh, was difficult. Mm. So Monday, I basically yep. just stayed in my flat and kind of explored my flat. Tuesday... Um, yeah. Uh, Tuesday, my bags arrived first thing in the morning, so then I got an Uber to the mall and did a little bit of exploring. Like, got a big local mall, so did some shopping and got some bits in. Uh, nice. Wet. What what's the what's the vibe of a Romanian mall? How does it compare to a British um, one? It's like when they go to the mall on Save by the Bell. It's very early nineties, late eighties. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's That sounds genuinely awesome. Then Wednesday was my first day at work, but it was largely an administration day, so signing paperwork and stuff. Um, I had a yeah. health check with the coldest nurse on planet Earth. Right, Let me give you the story. Right, so <laughs> basically, in Romania, the water yeah. um, contains a lot of heavy metals, so it's not safe to drink. So you have to filter it or buy right. bottled. And the heavy metals actually increase the risk of uh, appendicitis. So the, the, the right. test for that was this lady basically just punched me in the back and then went, oh, did, did, that, did that hurt? And I went, well, I went, well the <laughs> punch did, yeah. And she went, no, 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 have you got any lasting pain in your back? And I was like, wait, so the punch was unnecessary? 
yeah, so that that was Wednesday. Wednesday afternoon, uh, we went to the local beer house. Like, I, I was really anxious that I was going to be the only new starter. Um, but actually, right. there's 30 because the schools had a massive expansion. Now, wow. Oh, so so you're part of a whole crop of people. Yeah, there. and the first person I spoke to on the bus, David, oh. you know where we are at the very northern tip of North Yorkshire, even though you're not there anymore. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm. T- I'm uh, you know what? I'll just say it. It will be so easy for people to figure out where I've moved to. But uh, yeah, I'm technically in County Durham so now. I I was worried I was going to have to speak the Queen's English. But the first person on the bus yeah. was from Colby Newham near Middlesbrough, <laughs> and it wow. turns out there's a whole northeast contingency. <laughs> if anything, I'm the southern right. of the group. Um, so yeah, wow. that was Wednesday. What happened Thursday? Thursday was training again, but then I went to IKEA uh-huh. in the afternoon with a couple of girls that I'd been putting a group with for training. So we've kind of like bonded a little uh-huh. bit. Friday was the first yep. day that all staff were in, so that was the f- that was a full day, my first full day. But after that, um, someone yeah. just put a message saying, uh, "We're going to this bar. Does anyone want to come for a drink? It'd be good if all the new staff came. We'd love to get to know you all and stuff." And it, David, we went we went to the biggest yeah. bar in Bucharest. I've never seen anything like it. Like the outdoor seating area was, you know what? Oh, you didn't come to my old flat, but it, it was as long as my old street. Like I've never seen anything wow. like it. Um, and the beer hall at the center of it was phenomenally huge. It, it was insane. So from there, I made my awesome. made friends with my new work my new work best friend Crispy. And after that, we went out uh-huh. into Old Town to get a kebab. Um, I tell you what, Old Town's amazing, but also terrifying. <laughs> is that where all the architecture is, but where also all the murders yeah, happen? Yeah, so like, it's the most beautiful building. And I even said to my friend, I was like, why are there children out this late? Is that normal? And she just went, oh, they're all pickpockets owned by the gangs. Don't look at them. Don't talk to them. Don't go anywhere near them. <laughs> um, so that was wow. Friday. Saturday, I went exploring. Um, one thing I really wanted to see, because we drove past it on the way to that bar, was Bucharest's got its own yeah. Arc de Triomphe. Um, so I drove past... Right, just just a clone of the one in Paris. Oh, it's better than the Paris one. The Paris one wishes it was the Bucharest one. Um, <laughs> okay. So, so then I went and visited that and sort of explored that region of the city. But as uh-huh. I, as I was doing so, I saw a poster that just said, "Oh, by the way, if you want Robbie Williams is playing just down this street." So I just went to a Robbie Williams concert on the fly. <laughs> okay. And do you know what? I had a great time. I'm not, I'm not pretentious enough to say, oh yeah, it was okay if you like that sort of thing. Phenomenal night out. Was it? I, I these days he does more of like the sort of uh, 
Frank Sinatra crooner type stuff, oh, doesn't no. he? No, he, he was doing everything. There was a bit of Take That. There was all the classics, David. Obviously, oh, okay. he opened with Let Me Entertain You and he closed with Angels. What more do you want? I have some good songs, but yeah. Okay, moving on. Right, so then that was... Then on Sunday, uh, I invited everybody to my flat. Because again, I was like... My big fear was that like I was going to be lonely and not make any friends. But by this point, yeah. I'd already made loads of friends. So early in the week, I was yeah, like, awesome. I was like, everyone come to my house. I'll cook lunch. We'll watch the Women's World Cup final. It'd be nice to get to know everyone. So by then, mm-hmm. like, my flat was rammed, David. But everyone agrees I've got the nicest yeah. flat. It's a bit like an Airbnb. Everything's white and like quite minimalist. Yeah. But then one of the girls was saying she went to her flat day one. It's just got a nautical theme. It's got rigging on the walls and starfishes painted everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so then that was... that's a, that's a, a choice isn't it yeah yeah especially like i mean in bucharest uh, forgive, forgive me if i'm incorrect about this but it's not a coastal city is it no it's a good three hour drive to the coast um yeah then that was sunday monday yeah i went to the mall again with two friends but as as we were leaving work, so I've got I've made two friends, one called Jan and one called Alex, and they're both in the primary yeah. school building of my school. So right. I, I just walked across, and out of nowhere, just this girl appeared, and she was like, "Hello, uh, where are you from?" And I was I said, "Oh, I'm from the north of England," and she was like, "Oh, like near near Scotland," and I, I said, "No, no, no, like." And conveniently in the classroom, there was a map of the British Isles. So I pointed it out. Yeah. And then she just went, oh, right, where's Scotland then? And, like, in my head, I was going, this this girl's absolutely insane. How have I got, like, a tra- yeah. like trapped in this conversation? Um, <laughs> but then she was just like, oh, if you're going to the mall, can I come? And I was like... Yeah, I mean, I've only just met you like 30 seconds ago, but yeah, do you want to come to the mall? Turns out, David, nicest person I've met in Bucharest. Awesome. It's one of the teaching assistants, but she's also like, she does stand-up comedy in her spare time. And she she was like, I'd love you to come. It's all in Romanian. And I was just like, (laughs) I mean, I want to be a supportive friend, but... No. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. Depends. Like, if it's very physical stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. Might be all right. I mean, if that... it's all like dry one liners <laughs> in Romanian, it, it might be a little lost on you. Yeah, like, a pair of Groucho Marx glasses are funny in whatever language you speak, aren't they? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and then, what day is it today? Is it Tuesday today? Yeah. So, today I went into work and. So the training's been organised so that, like, all the whole school training is first thing on the morning. And then, mm-hmm. like, you can branch off into primary and secondary. But I'm only teaching high school, so there was no training I had to attend today. So I went home at half ten. Great. Sounds like a good day. Just came home. Um, yeah, had a little siesta. And the best bit was, my flat's got a balcony, so when everyone else was coming off the bus at four o'clock, I was stood on my balcony waving at them like the Queen. <laughs> um, 
Uh, awesome. I'm but I, I, uh, Matt. I, I, yeah, go on. I, like, like, let's be honest. I, I probably should have admitted this sooner, but I needed a bit of a pick me up in life. Things haven't gone my way necessarily recently. Um, I, I think that's probably a fair assessment. Yeah. I just feel like reinvigorated, like both like professionally and personally. Well, I mean, that is absolutely the best case scenario for this whole... Because it was a massive gamble. It was a roll of the dice, sure. Uh, but it sounds like, it. you know, so far it's absolutely paid off. And honestly, as your friend, Matt, I am beyond delighted to hear that. Yeah. Like, I'm uh, just ecstatic for you. from, like, the, the leadership of the school right down to the bottom have made me feel so welcome. Like I say, the community is lovely. When we went out for drinks on Friday, like I say, I, I was chatting to this girl and she yeah. she's already worked here for a year. So I said, like, as, as we'd been chatting, uh, I was like, oh, I feel she's like a pretty good judge. So I said, look, just be honest with me. Who are like the snakes in the grass that I need to be aware of? Like who, you know, is going to stab me in the back who do i need to be wary of and basically <laughs> yeah. she pointed out one girl and she was like oh really Let, for the purpose of this story let's call the cur- the girl jenny and she was like oh okay oh, i don't like jenny jenny's one to watch and basically what it had turned out is they just had one of those fallings out and actually they're all right again now <laughs> so i was like so, so <laughs> right, okay. i was like so actually everybody's nice is what you're trying to say. <laughs> if anything, the one Brilliant. the one thing I don't like about Bucharest is this dining yeah. table I'm sat at, right? You're going to have to conceptualise this in your mind's eye, right? Imagine, I'll, I'll do my level best. Just imagine a normal table, just a dining table. Yeah. But underneath I'm it, imagining it, it's got like two brackets the length of the table that have got a shelf hanging from them that is so if I go like this, listen, uh-huh. if you can hear this, like underneath the table, there's like a mm. this bit of wood that I don't know what its purpose is. <laughs> like, I, I looked, I was is like, Is it like preventing you getting your knees under comfortably? No, like, because I was like, Is it an extender? But it's not the full width of the table, and I was, uh. and, and it doesn't move out at either end. <laughs> It just sort of slides across. And I don't... How bizarre. It's one of those things that makes no difference, but it's going to really piss me off that I don't know what it's for. <laughs> You'll just have to keep investigating. Yeah. The, the, there'll be an explanation. I'm sure there is. I even laid on my floor under the table looking up at it. But who knows? Who knows? Well, who knows? Maybe... When we record our next episode in several months' time, <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll have figured it out, Matt. Yeah, but no, oh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, all good. I've also everyone's agreed I've got the best flat, and then today the lady at work who is a new member of staff, so again she's been in a lot of training with me, but she's the head yeah. of whatever, and she's been putting the timetables yeah. together. And she was like, um, I think you've got the lightest schedule of anyone in the school. 
And I was like, oh, well, that, that makes sense. Because obviously, like, I'm only teaching key stage five psychology. I was like, if you want, when, when I've got freeze, just give me, like, a duty slot. So I'm happy to chip in. If anything, I'll just get bored if I'd have loads of free time. And she just went, yeah. she just went oh, no, that's not how we do things here. You, you've just got loads of free time. Great. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, I, I'm i so happy for you, Matt. Um, hopefully, you get your visa sorted. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, you'll get paid at some point. But uh, initially, at least, it sounds like you've landed on your feet. And yeah. that's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, also, and, on my uh, flight over here, um, yep. I should mention this, David. I listened to episode one of Doctor yeah. Who, The Ravagers, the Christopher Eccleston ones. Um, but as we, oh, were, yeah. as we were flying into Heathrow, about a 45-minute flight from Newcastle, and there was a girl on the row where I was sat who clearly wasn't enjoying the flight. Um, you know, she was quite anxious. And at the end, just, yeah. you know when they say, you know, sit down, we're coming into land. Uh, her dad went, are you, are you okay, darling? And she'd been quiet the whole flight, but at the top of her voice, she just simply said, no, I'm fairly petrified we're going to crash, explode and die. Now, I'm I'm not a nervous flyer, necessarily, but like, mm. it, it does go through my head. Like, when we're coming into land and you can start seeing people, I'm like, if we just smashed into that house, there'd be nothing that person could do. I... Yeah, I mean, it, it it is very much like you really feel when you're in a plane, you are defying the laws of nature. Yeah, but you are, I thought this girl you are was testing defi- God. I thought this girl was <laughs> defying the law of nature. What if she had the shining and just knew we were all going to die? Yeah. Yeah, what if? It's unreasonable, but like when you're anxious, that's where your brain goes. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. We've done half an hour. Uh, what well, do you want to do? Do you want to do any features or should we just do and finish up? Let's, uh, old times sake, let's let's quickly do uh, Meal of the Fortnight and that's okay. besides the point. And then we can put them to best bed, can't we? Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I can tell you my, my Meal of the Fortnight if you like. Go on. I've got a pretty good one, I think. Um, so when we moved up um, a couple of days before, my partner had uh, taken little orbs over to the greengrocers and got a few bits and bobs. Because, uh, as you know, the, the town, our nearest town where we used to live, it's got a lovely greengrocers, mm. you know. I'm sad to be leaving that greengrocers behind. Couldn't afford to, to shop in it all the time, but once in a while it was nice. And uh, they got some baking potatoes and Matt... Oh, I tell you what, it's been a few years since I had such a nice baked potato as the ones I made the other day. And to make matters even better, uh, we discovered when I was when I was getting them together that uh, we had no beans. So I popped over to the corner shop, uh, and my choices were the cheapest, mankiest-looking beans you've ever seen, or Heinz the good stuff mm. now obviously the Heinz beans were literally three times the price of the cheapo beans but I was like you know sod it we've got fancy baking potatoes 
I'm not half-assing it on the beans. Uh, so I had just, you know, it's not it's not fancy food. Baked potatoes, bit of salad, beans and cheese. But, you know, it was like what I imagine... What I imagine the king has when he orders a baked potato mm. and baked beans. You know, just everything on another level in terms of quality. Can, can I tell you what I'm used to? Can I tell you my favourite for a baked potato? What's you, that? You can't have it when it's piping hot. You have to sort of let it cool, maybe give it five, ten minutes. Yeah. But a bit of cheese savoury. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to go. I don't know if this is heinous or not, but uh, I'm also occasionally partial to a bit of tuna mayo. Oh, no, that's fine. That's traditional on a baked potato. Good. Good. I'm glad. It's. I just feel like, you know, fishes in general are more, a more controversial direction to go with things. Mm. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I do like it on occasion. But this, it was, it, we were, you know, kept it very simple. Your classic beans and cheese. Mm-hmm. But it was good. Good stuff. Uh, what about you, Matt? So... You mean anything interesting I, in Romania? I, I've, well, the thing is, it's that hot, David. I've barely eaten. Uh, like I, I've been <laughs> skipping meals like nobody's business. Like I don't think I've had lunch yeah. whilst we've been at work. It's been that hot. Um, and then a lot of the time, when I've been coming home, this supermarket on my complex sells really good. Are they called pokey bowls? Like those salad bowls that have rice and stuff in them. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of them. I've never really had one, but yeah. They're just like a salad bowl from Tesco. So it's it's too hot yeah. to have like a substantial meal. So, for example, yeah. um, today when I was speaking to my family, in England where they were, it was 22 degrees. Here, it was 37. Like Good Lord. Um, when I first moved here, I had my air con on so severe, I genuinely think it gave me COVID. <laughs> like I don't know if you've noticed, but my voice is quite croaky because it's that dry. Yeah. Like I, I, I spoke to like uh, Harry and people earlier in the week, and I was like, "It's too polluted. It's given me a sore throat." But it's not. It's actually because it's that dry. Um. That's so crazy. That leads into my meal of the fortnight because obviously when it's hot, David, like a massive priority here is uh, hydration, like. And yeah. when, when you can't drink the water, it's a bit of a problem. Yeah. So yeah. obviously I've bought like a Brita filter and stuff like that. So my uh-huh. meal of the fortnight is actually a drink. Now I'm going to try pronounce this correctly. Apologies. My Romanian isn't great yet. Other than Buna's Via, I've not really cottoned on. So it's called Aperec Cagita. Um, I've got Google here that might be able to pronounce it correctly. Just let me get the volume up. Aparechi Kagata. Does that mean anything to you, David? Mm, it uh, it does not, I'm afraid. Uh, what what is that? Well, David, I owe you an apology because it's actually ice cold water. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've come full circle on the meal of the week because the one uh, the one thing I've consumed more. He understands at last. And it's because my freezer and fridge here are so cold. I've never had a fridge that, like... So, for example, last weekend I batch cooked loads of chilli con carne, 
put a block in the fridge yeah. today to defrost. It was just rock hard when I got home. Like, like the fridge. <laughs> I don't know how the water doesn't freeze. It's that cold. Um, That's crazy. But yeah, so um, like I did go for a really nice meal with my mum and dad before I got out here. I uh, have been to Popeye's Chicken. I promised uh, Married Ooh. to Who I'd try that. In fact, if you listen to Married to Who's episode this week, uh, I forgot yeah. what Doctor Who story it is because they all blur into one, don't they, with Troughton. Um, so this week they did The Abominable Snowman. Uh, all right, one yes. of the questions I ask them is, we're six months into the year, what's the meal of the first half of the year for you? And they have a nice discussion about that. So if you if you miss meal of the week when we're gone, I'm bestowing it upon Married to Who. They can have it. Ah, well, there you go. Enjoy, folks. Yeah. They won't want it. It's like a dirty puppy. <laughs> um, in fact, it's like the wild dogs of Romania. Of which I'm assuming there are several. Uh, there's one that lives in my compound that I've kind of adopted as a friend. Like, I'm not allowed animals, oh. and I'm certainly not allowed wild street dogs. But every morning, Brutus, yeah. I've called him, Brutus the dog, walks from my apartment to the little bus stop with me. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, so then, Matt, should we talk about music quickly? Yeah. Anything... Have you been listening to much music-wise? Um, What's he been out about? I mean, I went to a Robbie Williams concert. That was pretty good. Uh, oh, yeah. Yep. Um, one of the guys here played me some Romanian rap, and I, I couldn't understand whether it was based in gypsy heritage and it was about how much they hate rich people, or it was uh-huh. rich people saying how much they hate gypsy folk. Like it, it, I, 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 I would, I would guess probably the former. It, it, but yeah, but, uh, who can say for sure? Yeah, the lyrics were like confusing. Yeah, that was odd. Um, in fact, every Uber driver I've had has had the same song playing. And weirdly, like, you, you know, the reggae singer Shaggy, he's massive in Romania, yes. especially with Uber drivers. Is he? Yeah. If you listen to the song Sexy Lady featuring Sean Paul, that's become like the unofficial national anthem of Romania. <laughs> All right, then. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Anything good? Oh, well, as you know, I'm constantly listening to music and uh, I, I tend to sort of just... I don't tend to, like, have stuff on repeat. Like, if I listen to an album, I'm not really going to come back to it for uh, a long while, usually. Um, so I'm just looking back through sort of some of my recent... Spotify history to see what stood out to me recently. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, because also, I've, uh, you know what, I'll tell you what, an album that I have spun a couple of times uh, in recent times because it's, they are very much one of my happy place bands and uh, they've, um, it, it definitely has been helping with the old aforementioned anxiety. Um, so the band is called Caravan. They are part of the Canterbury scene. I've mentioned the Canterbury scene before, I'm sure. You know, uh, sort of loose collective of 70s uh, British uh, progressive rock bands with a, more of a sort of psychedelic and jazz 
bent to them. Uh, this was one of their sort of later albums, 1976, uh, when they were sort of making vague attempts towards being commercially viable and sort of stripping back some of the weirdness. Um, but to a certain extent, they still couldn't help themselves. So um, I think what I'm going to particularly recommend from it is the suite of tracks which ends side one of the album. The album's called Blind Dog at St Dunstan's. And the suite consists of four tracks entitled A Very Smelly Grubby Little Oik, Bobbing Wide, Come On Back, and Oik Reprise. So, um, it's good listen. It's, I, I don't know what to say. It's like, it's, it's sort of like jazz rock that doesn't take itself seriously. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just find it charmingly whimsical. So there you go. I'll just leave you on that, listeners. Well, the good news is when um, we do come back in January, it'll be time for the annual yeah. feature call, so we never have to listen to you talk about weird music ever again. It's gone, <laughs> it's done. <laughs> uh, awesome. Right, Matt, it is time. Uh, we are just going to dive right back into the Showrunner Showdown. If you've not listened to last uh, the last episode, then you probably want to go back and listen to that first. Because I don't think we're going to really waste a lot of time re-explaining the rules or anything. Uh, we've got 15 more categories to get through, Matt, to mm -hmm. close out this, this feature. Uh, so across these 15 categories and five different brackets, we are going to be deciding... Which era did it best, uh, RTD, Moffat, or Chibnall? Yes. And yes. Uh, let's just dive into it, shall we? You ready for this, Matt? Yeah. I can't remember which number we got up to, though. I can. So don't you worry. I've got my handy-dandy spreadsheet ready to go. So we are up to... Uh, we're, we're starting with uh, round 11, supporting characters. Mm -hmm. So... I'm thinking here specifically significant supporting characters. So your River Songs, Captain Jacks, Wilfs, those sort of like borderline companions. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm not thinking so much in terms of like guest stars that are just in for one episode that we'll, we'll talk about them later. But uh, just thinking about those kinds of characters. Well, I think, yeah, go on, Matt. Immediately, I think I'm going to dismiss Chibnall because I just, yeah. I, this is one on the little document I've made that I haven't put anything in my notes box. But just there, yeah. you were like, oh, it could be River Song. I was like, 10 out of 10 character. Then you said, oh, it could be yeah. Wilf, 10 out of 10 character. I was like, who will it be with Chibnall? Oh, yeah, that big dog from Yorkshire. <laughs> So, I think he's clutching at straws. I think yeah, I... the only other the only other one you could think of, and it's more of a villain, but like one of those. Is, there aren't many characters that come back over the course of the Chimnal era. The only other one that I can think of is um, the sort of uh, Trump analog character. Oh yeah, who features as a villain in two episodes. Um. 
yeah, it's not 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 the Chimalera's strong suit. I think it's fair to say. So then it's a toss up between RTD and Moffat, and I mean, the Moffat era it is dominated by River Song, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, she's so significant, it, uh, especially of course in the Smith years, but also. You know, she gets that wonderful episode with Capaldi as well. But having said that, I think I would be very tempted to go with RTD on this one. Because River Song is established in his era. Mm. Let us not forget, Silence in the Library is an RTD era story. Um, Captain Jack, as we've said all throughout our Torchwood reviews, Captain Jack's never better than uh, in the RTD era knew who. Yeah. And I think, and I think he does things like companions, relatives better. Like Jackie Tyler. I've got a lot of time for. Yeah. Um, she just gets better and better and as a character. Wilf, obviously. You know what? Talking of Jackie Tyler. Did you, have you seen this announcement recently? Um, they're wrapping up big finish wrapping up their river song spin-off series one of the stories in the final box set features river jackie tyler and the crotons who are one-off villain from the patrick trout era wow it's the i i swear um big finish just have a dartboard like a giant dartboard, <laughs> <laughs> like three hundred different random uh, characters and monsters from across uh, the Hooniverse, and they just see what comes up, and then check it against who's available to record next week. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. So I, it's RTD for me on supporting characters. Mm-hmm. I think. Do you yeah, agree with I, that, Matt? I, I could go for that, yeah. I think the awesome. best supporting character is River Song, and like you say, it starts in his era, so go for it. Yeah. Okay. So, we are on to soundtrack. Now, of course, RTD and Moffat have got the same composer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you are a Murray Gold fan, it it might be hard to differentiate between the two. I would say I think Murray Gold matured as a composer in the Moffat era. Like, my favourite of Murray Gold's work is his uh, Series 10 soundtrack. The only one that's never been officially (laughs) released. Uh, See, I I Um, approach this differently. I I forgot about the actual... uh soundtrack composers and just went for like the random music that features so i said oh like the sort of needle drop moments yeah i was like not rtd because he put britney spears in all the time and i was like not chibnall because of that whole rah-rah rasputin so i I, i'm just by i'm giving it a moffat by process of elimination but i can't really think of many examples of that in moffat's era no because uh, I'm going to strongly advocate for Chibnall. Actually, I, first of all, I will defend the Rara Rasputin scene in Power of the Doctor because it was hilarious. Yeah. Um, and also, I love Sagan Akinola's scores. 
they are not as bombastic as Murray Gold's. Uh, but I love the how he brings in more of an electronic mm-hmm. element to proceedings. I love his use of percussion. And I think he adds texture rather than just clobbering you over the head with how you're supposed to feel right now. Right. And so I appreciate the subtlety of his work. So... Um, you can advocate for Moffat if you like, but you'll have a fight on your hands, and this could be end up being a very long um, recording session. Yeah, I'll concede. It, it, it's, uh, it, it's, I don't know, it's probably the one that sort of just washes over me the most. Yeah. Who's responsible for... But I think that's for... to, to its credit in some ways. Oh no, was it still Moffat when Bill's theme was in it? Bill's theme is the best bit yes. of music in all yeah. of Doctor Who. Yeah, um, I, I will say, like I say, um, Series 9 and Series 10 is, is Murray Gold's best work, in my opinion. I'm also thinking about the uh, the suite he did for Heaven Sent. Mm. Uh, you could actually, you could pop on YouTube and they've got that just as a just as a piece on its own. It's like a seven minute suite. And I that is one of the few Murray Gold pieces that I'll just, just throw on and listen to sometimes. Um it's extraordinary. So he's certainly, he's more than capable of good work, but I think in terms of like, I don't know, there's something about what Sagan Akinola did for the Chibnall era made it so distinct and so right for that era, you know, that it has this sort of light, hopeful quality to it. Um, Yeah, I really like it. So uh, the tick has gone in the Chibnall column, unless you want to uh, fight me over it. No, no, I won't contest that one. Okie doke. Let's move on. So uh, we're back in the stories bracket. And this time we're thinking about uh, future and space stories. So I kind of grouped those together. So it might be future Earth. It might be, you know, colonies on other planets mm-hmm. it might just i mean it's very rare that doctor who these days in certainly new who will do just a planet with a bunch of aliens and no humans around yeah so when i looked at this the one story that just won't leave my mind is the yeah. end of the world with rose and eccleston i don't know why um but then also yeah the is it town called christmas the Matt Smith one out in outer space. Oh right, yeah, yeah. yeah that's quite... his. That's his regeneration story. Yeah, I like that, that one. one. Um, yeah. I think outer space with Chibnall. It's mainly just flux, isn't it? I I would say for for my taste, I like the. I think when Moffat did. Um, futury spacey settings they it really brought the star warsy feel i'm thinking of stories like rings of akaten oh good man goes to war and yes i was going to say that one yeah good man goes to war um and in fact uh yeah i'm trying to think there's a few others as well that kind of give me that vibe smile 
mm-hmm. smile uh, the use of location in smile i think what about is the brilliant what's the episode called the one with about future amazon kablam yeah that's a, a like a future story um but then for future stories you've also got orphan thingy orphan 55 yeah, yeah. which I, I would say I don't think it's as terrible as a lot of people make out, but it's it had its problems, <laughs> that story. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I th- are we discounting RTD off the bat? Like, yeah. I find I find his future stories a bit too human centric and a little too. I don't think he's as interested in that stuff. Mm-hmm. I think. I like the whimsicalness of Moffat's approach to the future. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's one that's a, another win for Moffat. I'm afraid. Yeah. Now the next one, David. Okay. I need to ask for this a is three-way a tie. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. Because if we're doing the master, all three are absolutely yeah. flawless. It's hard, isn't it? I mean, I mean, if I, I would if, say, if I had to discount no, on. one, I would yeah. say Chibnall's incarnation is maybe a little bit shouty, but that's me being very pernickety. That's interesting because I think if I was to, if if you were to tell me to like eliminate them one one at a time, I'd probably ditch Sim first. Okay. Um. And that, you know, that surprises me because like I I love John Sim as an actor, um, and also, but I think it's it's telling to me that my favourite John Sim master story is um, oh, I'm blanking on a world of death and time, mm-hmm. which is of course a Moffat era story, <laughs> yeah, featuring his master. Um, I think. He was, but I, I, I don't think it was anything he did wrong. I think he was poorly served by his script sometimes. Because if you think about with his first major story, you've got all that Dobby Doctor nonsense, which is not oh, yeah. great. And then he comes back at the end of time, and he's like shooting lightning out of his hands and eating rubbish in a in a dump. <laughs> You know, it's 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 weird, right? Yeah, oh yeah. I don't, 100%. and that's not his fault. Um, but like, we we we're judging the showrunner here, and I think I don't think RTD got the master in the way that Moffat and Chibnall both do, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, because what I love about Chibnall's take on the master is, and and by by proxy of course, Sasha Dewan. Um, yes, he is shouty. And, and and he's unhinged, but you can see it's because there is this like, there's this horrible like jealousy eating away at him. Um. And. 
yeah, I just feel like there is a lot more depth actually mm-hmm. to the Chibnall Master than there is Sim just sort of leaping about and shouting. Yeah. Um, but I think we're beating around the bush here because of course the ma- when we talk about the master we're also talking about Missy mm. and holy heckins yeah I mean remember when got... I used to think Missy was the Christian first of all, god you've got the, 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 the sort of the joy of how she gets teased and threaded all the way through series 8 mm-hmm. and then that brilliant final reveal. That that's great, but then, that's almost only the beginning of the fun. You know, yeah. the big reveal should be like almost like the, your finale, but really that is just the prologue because then we get Missy in series nine and series ten, and that whole arc that she goes on, and Michelle Gomez just, just. Not only eating the scenery, but like throwing a bit of hot sauce on there and having the time of her life doing it. Yeah. yeah. Um. Let's give yeah. it. That. Let's give that so one. I, to I don't know. Did Did you have anything you wanted to say about that? I've I'm very much monologued there. Nah, give it to Missy. Yeah, it's got to be done. It's got to be done. Okay. So in the writing style bracket. This is something that I, I've said on this pod before, is I think, especially compared to other sci-fi franchises, Doctor Who's weakest hand. Doctor Who is not an action show. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't stop it attempting it sometimes. So, who do you think actually managed to do action the best? Uh, I don't know, maybe RTD because in obviously we're going to talk about special effects later, but yeah, because the special effects weren't that strong back then, the practical effects maybe were so, you know, action scenes come across that little bit better yeah, I I don't know. I'm struggling to think of specific examples. What um, I mean, he tended to say that sort of stuff for his finales, but mm. I'll be honest. When I think of those, they all feel a little what they feel a little ham-fisted, at least in my head. I'm maybe being polluted by basically. I imagine them feeling a lot like the sort of action we get in Torchwood. Yes. Yeah. Which. You know, it's all it's all shaky cam and trying to make two cars feel like a convincing, like exciting chase scene. (laughs) And uh, I don't know. You know what? Honestly, thinking about chase scenes, I'd be tempted to give the nod to Chibnall on this one. I'm thinking about episodes like Spyfall. some of the Dalek stories he did. Um, I think, I think on a good day, the Chibnall era actually delivered some pretty strong action set pieces. And like that, that whole, like we get like a full on only for a minute, but like, you know, a full on 
battle scene in uh, War of the Suntarans. Yeah. In Flux. That's true, actually. And it's probably the largest scale sort of action piece. Yeah. I mean, it's mostly CG, mm-hmm. but it, they pull it off effectively. You know, just the fact that you've got, like, Crimean era British soldiers facing off against Sontarans on a battlefield. Mm. That's just like a wild image that I I would never have expected from Doctor Who prior to that series. Um Yeah, I, I'm I'm very tempted to give the nod to, to Chibnall on this one. Go on. Go on. Another one in the bag for Chivers. So, should we move straight on? Yeah. We need to be brisk. It's almost midnight. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so we're we're back to characters and actors. We're thinking about incidental characters. So, this is one of the, the trickiest categories, I think. This can be anything from just... Uh, short cameos, memorable cameos, you know, right the way through to uh, like a- anything except full-on guest stars, mm-hmm. basically. Well, what I've written in here was I tried to list some of them, and yeah, I put I can't remember her name, but the girl out of the Doctor dances was really good. Then I put. Yeah. Uh, Jenny from the Doctor's Daughter was really good. Then I put the lady yeah. out of what's the episode called? Girl in the Fireplace. And I was like, oh, they're all RTD. Yep. He can just have it. Yeah. And also, also, I was thinking there, one of the first ones that comes to mind for me is uh, the uh, Impossible Planet Satan Pit. That whole crew. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, it would be the um, the crew for um, Silence in the Library as well. Am I right in thinking? Yeah, yeah, uh, that's a good one. Uh, I would say the only Moffat story that kind of rivals that is um, Under the Lake Before the Flood. Yes, yeah. I think that is a very strong one for just having just random people in the situation that really feel like interesting people in their own rights. You could almost, you could imagine watching a whole six part story just featuring them without the doctor, Mm -hmm. which I think is really the, the sign of a really strong incidental character that in any other scenario, they could almost, this could be a film or, or a series on its own. And it just so happens that a magic spaceman wanders into it. Mm. Now, um, we've got Sally Sparrow. Sp- yes. Oh, mm. gosh, yes. I mean, with hindsight, it'd be tempting to think of her almost as like a guest star. But back then, she was, was relatively not, unknown. Yeah, she wasn't a big Hollywood actress. So, um, yeah, no, it's 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 RTD, isn't it? Yeah. Like as as strong as as it's been at on occasion elsewhere it i think rtd takes a biscuit there right um special effects again not not historically one of 
Doctor Who's strong suits, it's always punching above its weight in See, terms of special effects, the, the, I think. The logic in my head was that, obviously, they're just going to get better and better, so give it to Chibnall. But then there's that horrible bit at the start of Flux where they're flying round. Yeah, that's not good. I mean, Flux is very up and down, mm. I think. Uh, there are some brilliant effect shots in Flux, and there are some also real clunkers. But I think you have to... I'm very willing to forgive the occasional clunker just because of the circumstances in which it was being made. But then also I'm thinking elsewhere in the Chibnall era, like flipping Graham with his laser shoes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, it's, it's not good. <laughs> Some of the effect shots in the Chibnall era. Um, but then I love, I love the time vortex. I don't think the time vortex has ever looked better than uh, in the Chibnall era. Mm-hmm. Um, You know what? For the time in which it was made, I think the R2D era actually had some very strong CGI. It was some of the best CGI that had ever been on British TV at that time. Do you not think? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's difficult to judge, isn't it? Because, you know, although we watched it uh, like relatively recently... You know, there's, what, a 15-year yeah. gap between what we started and where we are now, so... I, yeah, I it, mean, I, I can obviously cast my mind back to watching that first series as it was going out, and and I remember things like, I mean, which is hilarious, because you look at them now, and it, and it looks like PlayStation graphics, but, like, the the Reapers in uh, Father's Day. Oh, yeah, get them back. I remember honestly thinking, like, Crikey, that's a bit strong for a Saturday tea time, you know. Um, but there is also there's some terrible stuff in uh, the RTD era as well, like just unforgivably bad. I'm thinking like the Lazarus experiment, mm. for example. Um, I don't know, like the Moffat era. The Moffat era feels very practical to me. I think a lot about like sets and costumes, and I don't immediately think of any like big splashy effects shots in the same way I'll have to check. um this is a tricky one isn't it what's your gut telling you matt um I'm, right i'm gonna close my eyes and i'm gonna think of one really good example of special effects okay and the one I've got is from World Enough and Time at the end where the big ship's flying over the, the planet. I don't know. Oh, yeah. That That's a good one. Because when I closed my eyes, I thought of one. I, I actually thought of um, the, uh, the devil at the end of the Satan pit. Oh, yeah. Which was great for the time. Yeah, that holds up. Let's, let's go with that. Yeah. Yeah, and even like going back to the very first episode, the big pile of gloop in Rose, the, the nesting consciousness. Mm. Yeah, it's just like a big pit of bubbling lava, but it, it really works as the finale for that episode. And like paired with Eccleston's performance, it, it like hooks you in. I remember watching it and just thinking, ah, oh, 
I have never seen something like this on British TV before. Mm-hmm. This is so exciting. Um, so yeah, I think RTD gets it. As as dated as it is, I don't think. I don't think the SFX have. Uh, kept up with the competition, if that makes sense. Yeah. To the point that now, Doctor Who looks noticeably cheesier than a lot of other stuff on TV. <laughs> um, okay. We're in a, into another stories category. Our penultimate one. This time it's series finales. Yes. So, I to be clear, we're not talking specials. Specials are still to come. We are looking specifically at in your main series, who gave us the best finales? I think this one's a no-brainer, personally, but I'm interested to hear your thought on this. Um, well, I can't remember any of the Chibnall ones. For RTD, I can remember... You can't remember the Battle of Av- uh, Ranskor of Kolos, Matt? Uh, yeah, well, now that I can, it's definitely the one, not Chibnall. The one where, where, where Mark Addy has amnesia and uh, no personality... <laughs> Um, for RTD, I can remember the Battle of Canary Wharf, but I didn't really like it. So, yeah. again, through like being absolutely passive, I can't really remember a lot of Moffat's. But um... uh, well, if I tell you some of Moffat's ones, so starting with series five, you've got uh, the Pandorica opens in the Big Bang. Right, immediately he's one. Series 6 was uh, The Wedding of River Song. Series 7 gave us... um, Oh, what was the Series 7 one? Uh, Oh, The Night of the Doctor. Mm -hmm. Leading into The Day (coughs) of the Doctor, obviously. Um, And then in the Capaldi era, we got Dark Water, Death in Heaven. uh, Heaven Sent, Hell Bent. And then World to Death and Time and uh, whatever the second part of that is called. Why am I blanking on it? Ah, I don't know. But anyway, it's Moffat, isn't it? It's like it has to be. There's no competition there. Like, it, yeah, sometimes they don't always completely come together. But uh, the uh, to me, RTD's finales are just operatic, flashy nonsense. Chibnall's were often distinctly underwhelming. But Moffat, for the most part, delivered the goods. So, yeah. Um, so, this is this is a tricky one. So this is just other classic monsters. So, you'll remember last week we talked about uh, Daleks and the Cybermen. We've obviously talked about the Master, which completes the trilogy, I would say, of the major classic established villains mm-hmm. of Doctor Who. But then you've got your Ice Warriors, your Sea Devils, your um, Autons, all of that sort of nonsense. Uh, Sontarans. You see, I, I, I'm a Sontaran fan, I think. For classic, I'm trying to think what my favourite classic monster is, but 
Yeah, it probably is the Sontarans. But then where have they You're been? Not partial to a Zygon? No, 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 I hate that story. Um, <laughs> where have the Sontarans been strongest? Because there was the two-parter, wasn't I... there? Yeah. Um, so basically, you've got the two-parter from Davis. Uh, Moffat gave us Strax, but didn't give us any standalone Sontaran stories where the Sontarans are the main villain. <laughs> and Chibnall gave us War of the Sontarans, and obviously Sontarans are the are the uh, also return at the end of Flux as well. Yes, yeah. So, so uh, I don't know, like that that like separation of classic. Uh, again, I'll probably defer to you because it's just. I think I think one way to to think about it is who did the best job overall of bringing in classic monsters and making them credible for a modern viewing audience. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's a fair metric? Yeah. For this. Yeah. So. I mean, my my instinct initially was like, because like you, I love a Sontaran, and I think I, there's no question in my mind, Chibnall did the Sontarans best. Like he also did the Daleks best. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that Moffat did the Cybermen best. But also I would say, for example, Moffat era gave us two, I think, quite strong Ice Warrior stories, both written by Gatiss. Um, I like the Sea Devils and I may never forgive Chris Chibnall for giving us what, not just a bad Sea Devil story, but one of the worst New Who stories of all time featuring the Sea Devils and, and therefore probably nixed their chances of them ever returning in living memory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Autons. RTD only did Autons the once, but it was the perfect choice for bringing uh, for a for a first time villain uh, in Rose. And then Moffat used the Autons in an interesting way in his series five finale. Oh, it's a tricky one. I'm trying to think what other if there's anything major I'm missing here. feel like I always end up defaulting to Moffat. You know what? As much as I hate Legend of the Sea Devils, and I really do actively resent that story, <laughs> I wish it didn't exist. I wish we just went straight from Flux into the power of the Doctor. <laughs> um, but I, I love what Chibnall did with the Sontarans because what he managed to do was split the difference between the credible threats on Tarans of Classic Who and the comedic Sontarans of uh, the Moffat era. Mm. Uh, he managed to find a balance there and, and make them both 
a credible threat, but also ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, I kind of I want to give him the nod for that. What do you What do you say to that, Matt? Yeah, I, I would I would entirely support that. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Now I feel okay. the next one is like an open and shut case. Okay, so the next the next category we're in, it's our penultimate one for writing style, and it's just feels. Mm. Who who brought the feels? The best. Well, again. Okay, I, so you I've say just, open and shut. I, I've just written two words. Wilf and River. It's obviously Moffat. <sighs> yeah. Because that's the thing, because it's like, it's not just like, because I was thinking, like, well, there's so much else with River Elsewhere, but like, the Moffat era, the, uh, the, the Davis era gives us River's ending. Mm. Um. So we hang on. I just thought. Sorry, it's late. Were you were you crediting uh, Moffat for Wilf there? Yeah. Oh, oh no, I've no, done that's it wrong, RTD, man. I? Right, so it's RTD. RTD wins. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, remember, that's tenant tenant's finale. Oh yeah. Gives us four knocks. That whole business. I'd agree. I think. Sometimes there are occasions where RTD annoys me because you can see how he's engineered the situation for maximum feels, almost to the exclusion of logic. But he makes that work more often than not, so it it's hard to argue against him on that one. I think. Mm. Okay, guest stars. So this is a biggie. So this is where I'm thinking people really coming in to do a turn. More often than not, like the celebrity historicals, like obviously Vincent and the Doctor, Unquiet Dead. Um, just those those episodes where one of the big things is, hey, look who we got for this kind of thing. So I, I don't, I, I wrote these notes a few weeks ago and there's been a lot happened yeah. between then and now. I don't really know why. I've just written not RTD. Not RTD. Mm. I don't know. Uh, RTD gave us Derek Jacobi as the master. Uh, I'm trying to think what else because I'm doing this all off the top of my head. Who? Um, I would say there is. there was a noticeable downturn in the number and quality of guest stars in the Chibnall era. Mm-hmm. Moffat era, there was an awful lot of like, oh, they got so-and-so, did they? I, I think we have to exclude John Hurt as the war doctor, yes. even though that was arguably a guest star role. I think we have to kind of set that aside because we considered that for the category of doctors. So, but like, the Moffat era's got, like, Bill Nye just showing up yeah. for a coda of an episode. Mm-hmm. I feel like we always end up defaulting to Moffat, but, like, I think I think his era does take it on this one. Yeah. I, I feel so. Okay. 
And I think it's going to be a similar story with the next category, which is guest writers. So I'm going to let you lead on this because I can't remember any. <laughs> okay, so the RTD era, you've got the likes of... Uh, in terms of like regular guest writers, you've got people like Toby Whithouse and Mark Gatiss and Chris Chibnall, like writers that end up becoming mainstays mm-hmm. throughout New Who. But then you've also got a lot of other writers who are just like, uh, who are they? And like you look at their Wikipedia article and it's basically a stub. <laughs> And also, like, their episodes are potentially heavily rewritten by RTD. Uh, uh, Paul Cornell, I would say, as well, is worth noting here as someone who... He gave us Father's Day, and then he did uh, Human Nature, Family of Blood. And then that's that. He's never come back. So, there's some strong stuff there. Moffat gave us some real flash guest writers, you know, Neil Gaiman, Simon Nye, Richard Curtis, mm-hmm. big name writers in their own right coming in to just throw out a random episode of Doctor Who. Um, and then Chibnall, uh, and also the other thing I would say with, with the Matheson era, sorry, is you've also got people like Jamie Matheson, who mm. just sort of sweeps in the Capaldi era. And I think really, even if he doesn't become a household name, endears himself with, with the fandom. And I think a lot of people will be very happy to see writers like Jamie Matheson and uh, Sarah Donald making a reappearance at some point. Remains to be seen whether or not that will happen. Um, Chibnall era... The only two names that really jump out to me is Vinay Patel and Maxine Alderton. So Vinay Patel obviously gave us uh, Demons of the Punjab and Fugitive of the Jadoon. Both, I would say, pretty significant episodes. And uh, Maxine Alderton gave us uh, Haunting of Villa Diodati. And, oh man. Oh, she co-wrote the uh, Weeping Angels episode of Flux. Right. So there um do we I think for simplicity's sake, do we ignore writers who who ended up being guest writers and stra- straddling both eras? I, I or like more than one to. era. So for I example don't think we can boil it down to episodes, it's the writers themselves, isn't it? Yeah. Um so so when we're looking at the RTD era, we need to be thinking about writers who just came in and did stuff in the RTD era, but didn't go on to write anything in the Moffat era or Chibnall. So we're not thinking about Moffat in the RTD era. We're not thinking about, but no, that's not fair, is it? Because <coughs> Moffat Sorry, was a, was a, a star fit. writer coming in, doing an amazing turn every series. Mm. Oh, it's tricky. I think it's between Davis and Moffat for me. Again. When you think of, of, okay, let's think about it this way. When you think of those eras, the episodes not written by the showrunner, 
which one had the more standouts? Do you think? I don't know, like, because I can't remember who wrote what episode. So, mm. uh, who did Mark Davis write what for I, the most? What I would say is, I I think I often find myself on a standard series enjoying the guest written episodes on a Davis series sometimes more than the, the, the Davis pen stories themselves. That's much less often the case with Moffat. I feel like with the Moffat series, it, the, the, the guest episodes are more often noticeably fillery. We, and we're just waiting for the next Moffat one to kind of push things along further. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So so I'm tempted to give the nod to uh, Davis for that one then, on that basis. Let's go for it. Okay. We've got three categories le- left, Matt. We can do this. We can be done by half ten my time. So presumably half past midnight for you. Yeah. I'm so sorry to be keeping you up so late, Matt. We're nearly done. We're nearly done, listeners. Okay. Specials. So, all the Christmas specials, New Year specials, uh, random, like, Easter time specials, and anniversary stories as well. All of those just random between series uh, special episodes we're thinking about here. Again, the one that jumps to mind is... What's, what's the one with the weird ghost shark? The weird ghost shark. Um, oh, Christmas Carol. Yeah. That was the first one that The one out. with uh, Michael Gambon playing a Scrooge Correct. character. But then you've got Town yeah. Called Christmas again, haven't you? Um, oh, yeah. I really like that one where it's all a dream. Oh, Last Christmas. Yes, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Every Christmas. That's is the best Christmas. Christmas special, for sure. Um, I think the RTD era, up until Legend of the Sea Devils, it had given us the least special special, which was um, Planet of the Dead. Oh, God. Yeah. Which is the, the story with Lady Christina. <laughs> Uh, which was just a complete nothing of a Do you know story. what? I've still got my signed then... picture. When I was chucking all my stuff out for moving house, <laughs> that made it into the box in my grand in my mum's garage. Sorry. Uh, 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 but did make it? You didn't bring it to Romania with you. No, the only item of Doctor Who I brought with me was my Anthony Ainley coaster. Actually, I gave you most of my Doctor Who stuff. You did. You did give me a lot of Doctor Who stuff. <laughs> yeah. To which I am very grateful, by the way. Thank you. Um, oh, right. Okay. So, Moffat, I think definitely. RTD walked with the Christmas specials so Moffat could run. I think that's fair to say. Moffat also gave us. The anniversary special to end all anniversary specials in the Day of the Doctor. I am a big fan of Chibnall's um, Dalek New Year's trilogy. Yes. Yeah, we talked about that last time, didn't we? Yeah. I think 
they are three really strong Dalek stories. They feel special enough in their own way. Um, they feel like a treat, which I think is an important part of like a special should feel like a treat. And on that same note, the power of the Doctor. I mean, I'm a big fan of power of the Doctor. Oh, it's it's not the power of the doctor is not just a treat it's like having a like a full trifle like a serves 20 people trifle and just digging in with a massive spoon mm. do you know what i mean yeah pure indulgence in the best possible sense um so i it's between moffat and chibnall for me can anything eclipse the day of the Doctor? No. Like, power of the Doctor is good, but it's it's not on the same level of significance, is it? I guess not. I, I mean, to be fair, it's hard, isn't it? Because once you've done the day of the Doctor, you know, how, what, what you know, you can't really top that can you uh, in a lot of ways I feel like um, okay so we've got two final categories to, to do uh, the first is excuse me new monsters which era gave us the best new monsters overall um, I think that, again this is an open and shut case because the Davis era gave us the Weeping Angels and the Jadoon which mm. are the only ones I think to prominently feature outside the era in which they were created Pro oh and the Ood the as Ood, well that was the one I was going to suggest yeah yeah. it all happens in the RTD era I don't think anything gets brought in that's gonna in the Moffat or Chimnall eras that's I mean, maybe one day the Pating will make a return. Or what about that guy that just had loads of teeth on his face? Oh, God. Oh, yeah. That guy. Yeah. What I will say is the Chibnall era tries. I feel like the Moffat era barely even tries yeah. to introduce any new races. The closest we get, I think, is those... Those guys that can uh, open their heads up and use them as storage compartments. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I feel like this is an easy win for RTD, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right, we're in the home stretch. Final category in writing style series arcs. Who gave us the most cohesive, most satisfying series arcs? So, you've got the sort of whole Rose saga, haven't you? Uh, then you've yep. got Marth. But Amy and Rory's story and its involvement with River Song is just top draw and... I've didn't really care for Clara's story. 
Um, I'm doing it in terms of companion, just because that's how I can map it out. Yeah. Bill was great, yeah. so probably not Chibnall, because I don't even know. I mean, well, Chibnall gave us only really, well, sort of gave us one, one large series arc in the form of the Timeless Child, which kind of spanned two series. Mm. And then gave us Flux, which is almost a sort of like mini arc nested within that. Um, I would say RTD. RTD's approach to series arcs was, I think, very informed by Joss Whedon, but not quite as expertly done. So it often boiled down to just like repeating a word over and over again and then paying it off in the last couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find his arcs a little shallow at times. And I think Moffat, for the most part, his arcs were good, but also I think it's worth acknowledging that sometimes it felt like he bit off more than he could chew. And he set stuff up without really knowing in advance how it was going to pay off and then just having to scramble a bit in the end. I think that's best exemplified in the time of the Doctor, mm-hmm. which is a hot mess. Um, I don't know, though. Timeless Child, I don't hate the way a lot of people seem to. You know, it doesn't make me foam at the mouth and want to, you know, buy copies of the Jodie Whittaker era on Blu-ray just to burn them outside Broadcasting House or whatever, you know. But by the same token... <laughs> I don't think it's I don't think it's the strongest element of the Chibnall era. Oh I hate that we always end up defaulting to Moffat, but I'm finding it hard to construct a good argument against Moffat taking the win on this one. Yeah, and if if we default into it, it's not without reason, is it? I guess not. So I've popped the last tick on the spreadsheet, Matt. So before we give you the final totals, uh, we're going to go it through it bracket by bracket. Okay. So, because I think this might be interesting to, to, to consider. So in the bracket of characters and actors... Chibnall takes the bronze on a technicality, having yeah. scored zero across that bracket. Oh, wow. Davis is in second place with two. Moffat wins it with three. Um, villains and monsters. Davis comes in second place, and it's a tie between Moffat and Chibbers. Which I think seems fair. Yeah. Seems about right. Production. This is this interested me actually because I would say overall in a lot of ways, when I think of the Moffat era, I think of it as having, you know, pretty good high production values. But in terms of production category, um, production bracket, Moffat came in last with just one win and Davis and Chivalo tied on two. Okay. 
in stories, Davis and Chibnall got one each. Moffat, three. So I, I think it's clear from that, in terms of like writing, whose era we felt was the strongest. Uh, and also, interestingly, in writing style, Davis and Moffat tied on two. Chibnall lagging slightly with just one win in the writing style bracket. Um, but, you know, even then, it's not, I would say, conclusive. Um, however, if you've been playing close attention, you probably know what these results are going to be like. Mm -hmm. um, no major upsets here on this occasion. Overall, six wins for Chibnall, eight for Davis, 11 for Moffat. Uh, so Moffat is the definitive it, greatest it, showrunner it was, in the history of New It was closer than I maybe thought it was going to be. but Yeah, you know. yeah. I mean, it's at the end of the day, Chibnall won, uh, you know, technically over half the number of categories of... Uh, uh, hang on, let me phrase this differently. Um, you know, equivalent of over 50% of what Moffat achieved. So, you know, 6 to 11. Yes, yeah. If that makes sense. So, you know, it's only a gap of five between them. And uh, I guess one of the things I wanted to do with this, because this is all kind of you know, a bit tongue in cheek and a bit um don't don't take this too seriously. Obviously this isn't how you really analyse T V shows. Yeah. This this isn't how you establish what is quality entertainment. But what what I think this does show and what I hoped to show through it is that every era has its strength and every era has its weaknesses. Doctor Who is an inherently imperfectible concept because it is so wide open that there is no one interpretation of it that is going to be better than somebody else's. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was just letting like... you monologue there about the wonders of Doctor Who. Yeah. Yeah, it just I it's I, it's what I love about this show, and it's why as much as I've griped about it, I am fascinated to see what RTD does when he returns because he'll have a lot more cash to spend than last time, yeah. and it will be interesting to see how that changes things, what stays the same, what changes, what does he reference, does he reference anything that's happened in between his eras, or is this almost like a back to basics thing? back to his vision of who as it was circa 2005 to 2008 time will tell but i i am excited to find out and i'm excited to talk about it with you matt and to share that conversation with our listeners eventually <laughs> yeah we'll get there in good time but but yeah but for now obviously yeah this is a signing off for the year think guys um if you've if you're whether you're a long-term listener or if you're kind of new to the pod uh from the bottom of, of my heart thank you so much for listening it, it's 
it's not false humility when I say it baffles me that anybody tunes in. But, you know, I've seen the stats. I know some of you do. Um, and, yeah, I'm just very grateful for that. Um, and rest assured, we will be back. We can't say definitively when, but sooner or later, I won't be able to bottle it up any longer and I will need to log on and talk to you, Matt, and unpack all my feelings about the Doctor Who goings-on of this anniversary year. Um, but in the short term, I've, I've, I've got some other stuff I need to be focusing on. So, uh, yeah, that's that's what's going to happen. Uh, did you have anything you wanted to say before we sign off, Matt? Um, no, just to echo your sentiments, really. You know, thank you, everybody. I mean, yeah. five years, David, it's been a long time. You know, there's yeah, probably people that started supporting us in the beginning that have dropped off that will never hear this, so screw them. Um, <laughs> yeah. But for those of you who, if there's anyone who's been listening pretty much from the beginning, um, I mean, congratulations. I, would, I don't know how you've managed like, it. But... Who our, like, longest communications uh, been with? It's maybe been Frank. Yeah. yeah. He's been a long time. Yeah, he's been around a long time. Oh, yeah. Well... Thank you, thank you to each and every one of you who's ever tuned in, um, and yeah, Matt, in, enjoy Bucharest. We will obviously be chatting off pod yeah. over the next few months, but um, yeah, I hope that continues to be a wonderful thing. And uh, I've got an entire house to redecorate. So hey, hey, you've got a home. Uh, Never mind a house. Yes, indeed, indeed. Okay. All right. Well, uh, thanks very much. We'll um, obviously keep an eye on the Twitter feed. That will probably be the first place there'll be indications of uh, when we're, we're due to return. Uh, and until then, as always, thanks ever so much for listening. Until next time, cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.